This is Laura London, and you're listening to Speaking of Jung. Joining us today for episode 97, live from Los Angeles, the morning after last night's BTS concert, is Jungian analyst Dr. Melissa Werner. And I'm going to warn you now that we're both emotionally raw. Dr. Werner was at last night's concert, and I attended both the Saturday night and Sunday night shows in LA and watched last night's concert via live stream. Dr. Werner holds master's degrees in both early childhood education and community counseling, and a PhD in child development from the University of Alabama. In 2018, she completed her training as a Jungian analyst, earning a diploma in analytical psychology from the C.G. Jung Institute Zurich. Her thesis, The Archetype of the Feral Child, The Feral Children of the Drug Epidemic, is currently being prepared for publication. She has been an early childhood consultant and early literacy expert across the United States and the Pacific Rim. She has taught at Native American reservations throughout the country and worked as an early childhood specialist, serving over 200 Head Start programs in eight states. For 10 years, Dr. Werner was a professor of early childhood education and has lectured on play therapy in refugee communities at the United Nations Non-Governmental Organizations Committee on the Family. She continues to provide counseling to women and children and is an adult and child analyst. She is currently the only practicing analyst for adults and children in Alabama. Recently, she presented the paper Psychotherapeutic Interventions with Children and Adolescents, Contemporary Perspectives in the Practice of Child and Adolescent Jungian Analysis and Sandplay Therapy at the First International Conference on Children and Adolescent Jungian Analysis in Moscow. Her other presentations include Jung's Map of the Soul, Persona, Shadow, and Ego in the World of BTS, Coping with the Pandemic Through Fairy Tales, and The Archetype of the Feral Child, Analytic Work with Children Whose Parents Are Addicts. She also works as a volunteer for the BTS Army Help Center. Please see our episode with their CEO, Carla Postma Slabicorn in episode Q18 to learn more about what they do. Today, Dr. Werner and I will be discussing the impact that BTS has had on us, both individually and collectively, as well as looking at it from a Jungian perspective. Please visit the website speakingofjung.com where you will find links to everything discussed in this episode in the show notes. This interview is being recorded on Friday, December 3rd, 2021, through the magic of Zoom. Good morning, Dr. Werner. Good morning, Laura. I think I came back from the concert about six hours ago. Did you get any sleep? Not much. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, if you would, how you got there. How did a, I mean, I just read your bio, and it's extraordinary, the amount of work you've done throughout your career. And you're also a Jungian analyst, which is not an easy thing to be or to become. So how did you get where you are today? 
<laughs> well, it, for me, it, becoming a union analyst was a 10-year process. Um, how did I get right? Curiosity. Yeah. I think curiosity about what's going on with life. And actually, curiosity is probably what's led me now to BTS, to try to understand what's going on with BTS and their fan group, which I am, which I am now a big part of. So how did you first hear about BTS? I think our political situation in the United States was very raw around the elections, and I felt very torn. And all of a sudden, I was hearing things about Map of the Soul, Murray Stein's book, which I knew very well, mm-hmm. and about this music. And I started listening to the music because I personally, at that time, needed healing from what had been going on that felt so splitting in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it started healing me. I I would listen to video. I would watch the YouTube videos and I would cry and I could not understand it. Why am I? I'm a mother and a grandmother and have a very nice life. Why was I crying over videos of a Korean K-pop group? Mm -hmm. I even went back to my own analyst who is is still a very dear part of my life and said, is something wrong with me? Am I missing something? Am I not addressing something? And she reminded me that if we are really true to ourselves, we have to go where our energy is. Yeah. And that's where my energy was going. And I am so grateful that it has started going there because it's added such a rich dimension to my life. But as you know, because you were at these concerts right now today i am raw and on the verge of tears just even thinking about talking about Mm -hmm. this what we what i experienced last night Mm -hmm. and had no idea that this is how this would be Mm -hmm. i'd like to talk about briefly the process of us both separately getting to those concerts because that was not an easy thing to do. Uh, for me, I just, I'll, I'll share my experience and then I would like to hear yours. Making the decision to go to the concerts was quite difficult because of the pandemic. And I live in Chicago. We've had uh, mandatory lockdowns and uh, everybody's been through a lot. And I decided not to travel and I haven't left Chicago in almost two years. The last time I had been on an airplane was in February of 2020, right before the pandemic started in March of 2020. So I've been isolated and it's been hard and it's been hard on everyone. And I'm sure that I've had it easier than a lot of others, but I chose to stay in and stay home and not put myself at risk. So what I'd like to mention is the sacrifices that we we made to be there. And because I was getting some backlash and what I decided was I was going to go and represent all the people who couldn't be there because I could 
because I'm I'm older. I I've accumulated resources and uh, frequent flyer miles and hotel rewards points, and I could go. Uh, so it was possible for me, but I wanted to represent all the army who couldn't be there, who couldn't travel or couldn't afford it or didn't get a code for the tickets. And my heart was with them. It was on my mind the entire time and I wanted to represent them and be there for them. I shouted their names. I took video of it and sent it to them because I know, I know what it's like to not be able to be somewhere where you desperately want to be. So I just kept taking the next step. Uh, I didn't know if it was possible for me to be there, but I kept taking the next step and then the next and then the next to see if it would work. And it all came together. I mean, I felt like it wasn't up to me. You know, it was, uh, it was up to them. It was up to the gods. Will the gods conspire or not? And they did. And so... I felt privileged to be there. And so I wanted to do something to give back to all the people who couldn't. So what was your experience with deciding to attend? I mean, I live in Chicago. I had to fly to Los Angeles. I was in LA for four days. I I had tickets to the first show and then a series of events happened and uh, the person that I was with got tickets to the second show. So we went to the second show. So what was your experience with deciding to go and traveling during a pandemic? Well, I I am thrice vaccinated. So I felt a little and and I was coming to an area that and was felt safer to me than where I live. Where I live, people are are not as careful about the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I actually felt safer that I knew I would be masked. And one of the things that was shocking to me in a way about last night's concert, I've not been to a place where 80,000 people kept their mask on Mm -hmm. for the whole evening and were careful about masks, were handing out masks, were making sure everybody was taken care of. I maybe am too new in Army to be so altruistic about the others. I just felt so grateful that this opportunity presented itself. And it was a synchronicity. It kept unfolding. I met someone who had, I joined, but I did not get clearance to even pay buy tickets. But I met someone that now is a close, good friend who I'm staying with here in LA, who was able to get tickets Mm -hmm. and we came together and it just, uh, I I am still, I'm still astonished at how beautiful the coming together even here was and how careful every army was of every other army Mm -hmm. people, because I'm, I'm older. I, I was a little afraid at the beginning. Well, maybe they'll look at me and say you don't belong here but there there is not any consciousness of anyone not belonging everyone belongs that has this kind ethos that is a part of army and i i I just feel so grateful that army has included me in this kind kind and loveliness it's the it's the kind of friend group that you dream of. Yeah. 
Yeah. When I was there and I was looking around because um, we haven't talked about the lines we stood in, but um, we stood in line to get in for about three hours, both for both shows. And looking around and seeing all the army, I saw so much diversity, uh, not just in uh, nationalities, but just in style and in age, and just in, in what people were wearing and just how it just included so many different kinds of people at seemed like different stages in their lives. And I appreciated that. I appreciated seeing that because um, I'm in my 50s. I mean, I, I don't talk about that much. Um, I felt like I fit right in. And we were we were all kind of taking care of each other when we were, we were there. There was a very young girl sitting next to me on the second night who was there all by herself. She was very young. And I told her right away, if you need anything, please ask me. And we were just looking out for each other. And when the concert was over, and that was another thing I'm used to I'm used to being in NFL stadiums to attend NFL games, and I had to check myself a few times, um, my behavior, because this was a completely different experience than being in an NFL football game. And when I was shouting the names of ARMY who couldn't be there and recording video, when I later, when I got home and I was watching the videos, I thought, oh no, oh no, did I disturb the people around me? Because... During football games, people are having private conversations and they're yelling all kinds of things and they're swearing and they're drinking and there was none of that going on. And everybody was being quiet and would do the fan chants, but really not even sing. It was well-behaved people. And I just want to say one more thing before I let you come in. I saw a photo on Twitter of the stadium grounds outside the stadium and a garbage can that was packed and overflowing, but it was everything was very neat around it. And there was not a piece of trash in sight. It was all either in the can or down at the bottom of the trash can around it. And someone pointed out there was no litter anywhere. I'll start with that. There's yeah. There's still no litter anywhere except for the confetti at the end, but everybody was picking that up because that's sort of a souvenir. Mm -hmm. But but a thing I think the stadium had figured out how to do lines, but it, by the time by last night. But okay. what was so beautiful okay. is there were lines of maybe a hundred people. Then you would turn and back and forth lines, but with no dividers just human beings taking care that everybody stayed in the same line. And even when finally the gates opened, nobody rushed the gates. They stayed in their lines, weaving back yep. and forth. And I was really shocked. I didn't see many young, I mean, there were families, mm -hmm. yep. but, but this business of it being so many teenage girls, I just didn't see that. If no, you want to know, I didn't road. either. I didn't either. And part of that may be the financial cost of, be, of being able to do this, but it was just so caring of one another. Every We had so, a single person sit uh, on the other side of it, so we, everybody checked in with her. Is she okay? Mm -hmm. Is there anything she needs? Can we? And she, she wasn't a really young person, but we checked in. But that started in Atlanta for me at the airport. 
people had BTS regalia on some, perhaps something, maybe a t-shirt or something, not, not anything obnoxious, but BTS regalia. And when you met that person, there was such kindness, you know, I, Von Franz talks in one of her books, Marie-Louise Von Franz talks in one of her books about at a point in the individuation process, your tribes kind of constellates around you mm. because the work itself, as you know, is very, you're very lonely. It's a yeah. lonely time when you're really doing your work. Then, then all of a sudden you find that there is this tribe of people that you feel connected to. That's what army feels like to me is this wonderful tribe of people that all we ran into mothers and do- mothers with their daughters, their adult daughters mm-hmm. yesterday at Santa Monica Pier, who wanted to talk to us about BTS because they had been the night before to the concert. It's just this incredibly kind tribe that gives me actually hope for the world. You had mentioned something to me in email. You said that when you were there, you woke up thinking about the Greek mysteries and wondered if these events are a renewal for us in the same vein. Well, if you think about those Greek mysteries where these groups of people went to, I forget the name of the town they went to, it's the Eleusinian mysteries, Mm -hmm. and, and became renewed. And that was through, we don't know exactly what the stories were because it was forbidden for them to be written down. This feels that way to me. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know what it felt like for the ancient Greeks, but I feel renewed and hopeful for the world. And I, in the midst of this horrible pandemic, I, I wasn't very hopeful that we would pull together. Right. And I feel that way from having been around both BTS and ARMY, but it's a synergy together. It's not, that's what I didn't understand before I went to the concert. It's the synergy between the two, it seems to me. Would you say a little bit more about that for people who are not familiar with the concept or the term? Well, each each is absolutely necessary for the other. Um, <clears throat> BDS is absolutely necessary. Army wouldn't have pulled together around something, but Army is absolutely necessary for BTS. And you could hear that in the men's words at the end of the concert. They just, there seemed to be, and now we're going to probably both start crying, this genuine caring and love and concern for both the Army that were at the stadium, the army like you that were listening, and even all the other army in the world, the mm-hmm. army that that contact the help center and ask for support and, and through the help center, they all, it's a synergy together. We, we are in this together. I think for me, I guess, Microcosmos, the song, mm-hmm sums it up. Every one of us in this world is so important. In some ways, we can think we're not very important at all, but it requires 
each of us shining with our own light. I'm sorry, I'm crying. Yeah, yeah. Each of us shining with our own light is necessary for the universe. And we have to do our part to shine that light in BT- this experience with BTS and with ARMY. Help reminds me of that, that every person's life is so important and so necessary for the world. And we, yeah, was speechless when they when they started singing that song last night. I thought this is the one I'm going to break down to, and I did because it's it's sort of a call for all army mm-hmm. and all all even all of your followers to. Rem- be reminded that we're all necessary for this act of creation that is ongoing. Yes, and and they sang that last night on day four, but they didn't sing that in the first three shows. Uh, they didn't sing home nor microcosmos, um, but they did last night, and then they ended it with my universe and Chris oh my Martin God. from Coldplay. Yeah, came out. That was a surprise. Yeah. That that was such a shock. I, I, I think I was in shock watching that whole thing in his joy. Yes. Of, yes. of being with BTS and doing that was just so obvious that, and we are each other's universe. I mean, it's, we are. As much as we're talking about uh, the joy and the togetherness and the light and the, just the the happiness and the heartfelt connection that we have. There's also the other side. And on the first night, and I tweeted this, I was tweeting during the show, uh, just because I wanted to share these things, as I said, with the people who couldn't be there. And RM said, there's so much pain and so much joy at the same time. And that is one of the main things that I love and appreciate about BTS is that they recognize the other side. I was involved for many, many years with a group of people that never talked about, never acknowledged anything negative. They never, every time I'd ask how they were doing, great, fantastic, everything's wonderful. And they seem to never suffer. They wouldn't acknowledge it. And so of course, I had to carry the shadow for them and that I had just had enough. But the fact that they, they talk about that and and also in I'm not sure if you watched the V Live that they did. Um, well, they they did several, but specifically the one after the first concert, V, Jimin, and Jungkook, the three of them did three V Lives. Did you watch that? I watched the first. I didn't watch last night's because we actually we couldn't get reception. We knew it was happening. <laughs> The one uh, that I was referring to with V, Jimin, and Jungkook, they talked about things that that I was I was surprised to hear, but I shouldn't be surprised because they are so open with us. For instance, that Jimin said he gains weight easily, 
And V said that, you know, he can't get motivated to exercise and he has a shot of whiskey before going to bed. And then Jungkook mentioned his eyesight is not as good and that he can't seem to exert himself like he used to. He doesn't feel as spry. And these are all things that I could relate to. And I appreciate them sharing it with us because it's a great reminder that nobody has it easy. Yes, there's, they have this huge success in the world. They're all multimillionaires now, biggest group in the world, but nobody has it easy. Nobody does because the human condition isn't easy. I think in their closing words last night, you could hear that from each of them. They were surprised that the concerts filled up. They wondered if they were still necessary. Yeah. They're worried. They're worried about our, the future, I think. Um, but also, they, as Graham has said, you don't, if we can just decrease your pain from 99, 100 to 99. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, and this is a plug for something that didn't happen last night, if anybody wants to understand how that shadow, that dark side goes parallel with the light side, please watch Sugar's uh, performance of Shadow. That is the most moving explanation. As a union analyst, that's the most moving explanation of what Shadow is that I have ever seen. Just for the listeners who are not familiar, you're referring to the song Interlude Shadow, Shadow. from Map of the Soul 7, the music video uh, that it is sung just by Suga, and I'll provide a link to that video in the show notes. Please do, because that it, it explains how if we don't embrace that darkness, we cannot have this connection. I think this connection is comes from both caring and loving but also from knowing all of our warts Mm -hmm. because that's what connects us to each other yes you know where 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 i shine i don't have to be so connected where i am just just like you and i talking where i'm suffering where i'm sorrowful then you and i can be connected because we're human beings together Mm. And that's what BTS says to me. Yeah. I love how they share so much of their lives with us, the behind the scenes. They don't just show us themselves when they're made up and wearing Louis Vuitton. They also show, like in the soup, they're hanging out in the forest for four days and they're cooking their own meals and washing their own dishes and sleeping in and not showering. And they they let us see all of that. And I, I love seeing that. I appreciate that. And that brings me to another topic, which is that of duality. I see this a lot on Twitter. They'll put photos of members next to each other saying, how could this member look like this and look like that? For instance, I'll just use Jungkook. He's (laughs) acting cute, right? He's wearing a fleece hoodie and he's making a heart with his fingers and he's acting all cute. 
and uh, in the same show, he's wearing a crop top uh, and a body chain and lifting up his shirt so we can see his chiseled abs and has this fierce expression on his face. So how could that be? They're wondering and they're asking, how could one person be all of those things? What do you say as a Jungian analyst to that? Well, well, you we each have, we we each have to be honest that that is who we are. We are all those things. We are. I'm talking to you as a union analyst, but I'm not talking to you as as a frazzled person that I, that I also can be a harried person and un, even an unkind person. I mean, you're you're talking about the physicality of it, but it goes through every part of our lives that we we have our personas and hopefully those are fairly smooth but then we have who we are with all our dark and light and that's only in getting comfortable with that can we really really I don't know flower and enjoy our lives because we need that soil to grow that dark space on the first night I'm not sure about the other nights uh there was a bit of swearing, a bit of uh, four-letter words uh, uttered by the members, which in English, which uh, I I loved, I got a kick out of it, and I appreciated. But I was wondering if there was any um, backlash from that. I don't think there was any last night, by the way. So maybe before the performance that was going out all over the world, that was stopped. But I could be wrong because there were times it there was just so much intensity, it was hard to hear everything. Yeah, let's talk about that. I so wanted to be there. I I was at their concert back in 2019, when they were here in Chicago, at Soldier Field. And I had not a great seat. I was in the the 400 level, if those of you familiar with uh, Soldier Field, it was outside uh, it had been raining all day. It was cold. So it was quite a different environment. Uh, SoFi Stadium is very new, high tech, beautiful, gorgeous. It's enclosed. Well, it's the sides are open, but it has a canopy. And, and I had much better seats this time. I wanted to soak it all in. I, I went into it saying I'm not going to use my phone very much, but but I did. And I'm glad I did because I took those videos and those photos so that I can share them with people. But my question is, seeing it live versus my experience last night, where I bought a ticket through Weverse to watch the live stream. And of course, I could see a lot better. I can see the members up close on my, I sat at my big Mac desktop computer and, and watched it. But you, because now I'm, I'm doing the opposite. I've seen that. But last night was, I felt it. Yeah. I felt it through. I'm still feeling it this morning. You you know, like I said, it's only six hours later. Mm -hmm. I'm still vibrating through every cell in my body. Yeah. We, there were three of us that are in our room and three of us that came back together and we said, we can't talk yet. There, Mm -hmm. there's, there's just, I am stumbling a bit with my words right now because there's just, it's, it's 
such a feeling that goes that courses through your body. I mean, I can feel it from my toes to my head. Yeah. So it's not just seeing the members and hearing the music live. It's also being in the presence of 70,000 other BTS army and their emotion that they are vibrating with and just being a part of that. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. And not only that, you know, I didn't, I haven't had a drop of alcohol, for example, and I'm still high Mm -hmm. from the experience. I think it'll be, I'm flying back across the United States today. I think it'll be probably a couple of more days before I'm back to whatever this new normal will be. Having had this experience of being so alive and so connected with something larger than myself. One of the reasons why I was so motivated to go and when I was trying to get tickets, I had made the decision to try for the first night because of something I heard Suga say sometime earlier this year about how he was going to feel seeing ARMY again. And I was so moved by what he said the way that he spoke about how he was going to feel seeing army again, fill up a stadium. So touched me that that's what motivated me to keep taking that next step to be there. But something he said after, which helped me process my experience was when he was there in it doing the show, he didn't know if it was real or pretend because they had gotten kind of used to seeing the audience, the crowd, army on screens. That's how they'd been doing those online shows. And then there everybody was in person and he didn't know, you know, if it was real or, or he was imagining it. And my question to you as a Jungian analyst is, does it matter Because remember when Von Franz was talking about Jung saying that he had a patient who said she was on the moon and Von Franz said to him, well, she just imagined she was on the moon. And Jung said, no, she really was on the moon. That's that beautiful story from Memories, Dreams and Reflections, I believe. I saw it in uh, Matter of Heart, the film Matter of Heart, and I will provide a link to that. And it's in the uh, Von Franz's Remembering Jung interviews. So this new world that we're in, uh, where we're doing a lot of things virtually, and people are watching concerts online, what is lost or what is gained by doing things virtually versus in person is it the same because it's real in the psyche that's a wonderful actually that's a wonderful question it both yes and no i would have to say it is as long as it's grounded in huh as long as it's grounded with another human being Mm-hmm. I think it can be real. But what, what I saw here was those Twitter friends who had never met were starting to meet up with one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. 
Well, there was a synchronicity even in my situation. The woman, the third woman that joined us is actually from my hometown, but we didn't know that because the person, Tiffany, that brought us together Mm -hmm. didn't realize where she was from. Mm. So we're both from Birmingham, Alabama, and that's that just is part of the synchronicity that, that, that is part of the union life. I, my lived, you know, I've had dreams that are more real to me than anything in my life. And they are the fuel that helps me move forward. Mm. So I can't, I can't differentiate that carefully because in my own life and in my own life experience, I've had these experiences and they are like, the woman said she was on the moon. I'm not on the moon, but I've had real experiences that are not part that are part of my dream life that have made life so much that I know I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. That's you know, it's it's not a, a dream and therefore not real. It mm-hmm. is very much a real experience for me. So I just would like to tell Army who might never have the opportunity to see BTS in person, your experience of them still is real. How you experience them on your phone, on your laptop, watching videos, watching run BTS, you're still having a real experience. Oh, absolutely. 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 And And they need not doubt that. I have a question for you about Jung's concept of the numinous. Uh, While I was preparing for this episode, I'm also preparing for next week's episode with John and Nada O'Brien. And so I was reading through their book and there's a quote here that I pulled out because I thought it applied to what we were going to be talking about today John said, the world is engaged in warfare of opposites. This takes many forms, east and west, left and right, truth and fact, rich and poor, black and white, men and women, nationalist and refugee, and individual and mass. The present zeitgeist is characterized by the appearance of conflict, which Jung argued is a consequence of loss of numinosity. To me, for me, BTS is numinous. And I think I had lost that. Nothing was numinous to me anymore. You know, I've been around, I've got miles on me. And I was just kind of hanging out and not really touched by anything. And then I found them and they awaken something in me. And I see them as numinous. I mean, we refer to some of the members as angels and ethereal. So does that ring true to you at all? Oh, absolutely. That's why when I I had to move toward this numinous, numinous experience, because when I discovered them, I found it through my emotions, through my tears. I I was, I didn't know army. I didn't know any, I just knew I was listening to these men again and again and again. And I was sobbing 
And the, the thing about aging is, because I am in the aging process, the same thing about aging is you start solidifying. And I, something in me needed to be broken down to re-experience both the numinous and to, to remind myself rather than just trying to push that in the shadow and think, oh, that's just nothing but some little thing to remind myself that that is everything because that's where life force is. Mm. And it gave me back something precious. That's really hard to put into language. Well, maybe John did it beautifully in language. It's, it is the, it, because it's a feeling, it's the feeling of all of mystery gets back to the Ellicinian mysteries of it's that renews me and renews my life. And it, I, I'm just so grateful for them and grateful for all these ar- army around me here today, last night, but also when I talked to them out through the army help center that, um, I'm I'm grateful that they reach out because they feel connected. Would you tell us this. a little bit more, yeah, about the work you do with the BTS Army Help Center in case some of the listeners might want to contact them? I'm not coming as a union analyst. I am a volunteer, and it's Crisis Center. It's a place for people to talk to vent, to express fears and concerns and doubts and worries. What I see in my own individual practice is there's there's a lot of trauma around this isolation that people have experienced. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, one of the things that people can easily bring to the Army Help Center. And I guess it would what we do is we are anonymous volunteers. I mean, we certainly give a name for the army person to talk to us with. We just are good listening ears. One of my favorite quotes by Ram Das is, we're all just walking each other home. And I feel like my work with Army Help Center is just helping some person walk a little bit, feel connected a little bit while they're walking home, whatever home is for them. And how do they contact the BTS Army Help Center? Do they do it through social media, through email? It's, it's, it's through Twitter. It's a Twitter-based, if you can just pull the link in the show yes. notes, if you would just do the Army Help Center link, then then people can find them there. But And it's I think it's in 17 languages. See, I'm just a volunteer there, so I'm not, Carla would know all these things, and Tiffany would, but it's through, um, it's in 17 languages, and often you'll even find somebody asking, does anybody speak a a language, say, a a specific language Mm -hmm. in India? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's multilingual, 24 hours a day because we operate in so many time zones Mm -hmm. and, and it just offers that helping ear, so to speak. And it's anonymous. Mm -hmm. And it's done through messaging. 
through messaging, through Twitter messaging, private messaging. Mm-hmm. I had a question from a longtime listener about the use of the army bombs. That was another part of the concerts that was absolutely spectacular is it's also a light show. And you were talking about lights in the beginning of our talk today, but he's wondering, uh, this question, he's wondering if it has an effect on our psyche. It's so magical Mm -hmm. to be a part of it. I actually chose not to get an army bomb because I I, I thought that might be too much for me to manage. I just want a direct experience. Mm -hmm. But to watch, especially the waves go around. But last night was a celebration also of Jen's birthday. And at some point, people put screens over their army bombs to wish Jen a happy birthday, which which goes back to that caring, that kindliness toward members, but also that but what what nobody saw is before the concert, people were running around army. Not this is not an organized thing from an from management or something like that. Army were running around handing out screens and moon cutouts so that army could participate in this just there was i got so many given so many little gifts just while we were waiting in line last night because Mm -hmm. army wanted to share with one another beautiful fan art beautiful oh so many precious things but to be part of the waves of life was just wonderful so moving. The effect on the psyche of the lights, are they symbolic? Well, light and stars are always symbolic, are, as are our beautiful points of consciousness that, that are like stars in the sky. But also there, it's, it's all those individuals together making up this bigger whole of everything. I'm sitting here and my hand is going around just like the, the all the lights were going around. It's so immense for the psyche to take that in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important and really healing. We needed light in this dark time. Yes. And we need light in every dark time. One of the other things that was mentioned during the V Live is about the scheduling of the concerts during the past two years, or maybe just during the past year, and how things got scheduled and then canceled several times. And I know I personally experienced that I thought I was going to start traveling again, uh, immediately after I was fully vaccinated this past spring. Um, But I had plans and then I canceled them at the last minute. And based on what was happening, Uh, with the pandemic in this country. And I felt awful about that. I wondered, am I becoming uh, agoraphobic? Am I becoming a recluse, a hermit, a germaphobe? You know, I really wondered, what is this doing to me? I kept canceling my plans. And then it took BTS. It took my love for BTS to get me up and out again and to push past that fear. Did it help? 
Yeah, I was fine. And actually, I feel great. I feel emotional. I feel what you're experiencing too with the emotions, but physically, I feel so much better. You know, I was out there, I was wearing a mask, washing my hands, disinfecting things as as much as I could, but but I was around people again and it it did feel quite awkward. And uh some of the members mentioned that as well, that they felt awkward, especially that first night. And we all we did it together. We we emerged out of our cocoons together. And I so appreciate that I had the opportunity to do that. And again, because I, because I did have the opportunity, I want to give back as much as I can. Another thing during the show was toward the end of the show, they, on the big screens, showed BTS at the UN, uh, that video of them Ugh. performing Permission to Dance, uh, and part of their talk as well. And I just want to remind the listeners that Episode 92 of this podcast is all about BTS's uh, speech at the UN and their performance at the UN. Uh, Jungian analyst Dr. Murray Stein joined me. And I noticed I was looking at the analytics uh, earlier today on the website, I noticed that that episode was not listened to very much. And I had said even on Twitter right after, I think that was the best one that Dr. Stein and I did on BTS. And unfortunately, it's the least listened to. Um, we we got emotional. Dr. Stein got emotional during that episode, talking about the the joy of their performance, performing permission to dance outside uh, in front of the UN. So I'm going to add a link to episode 92 in the show notes. And I would uh, like to encourage everyone to to have a listen to that. And that show reminds us, uh, that broadcast, but also that talk reminds us of how BTS operates in the world. I mean, yes, they're so wonderful to watch, but they also have such substance, substance in their words, substance in their message, substance in their ability to, I, I, before we do close, Laura, mm-hmm. I, I think this is, uh, I, I have too many men that come to my, pra- my, my private analytic practice who are grieving and suffering because they feel so alone and so disconnected. And I think PTS offers us a model of, yes, you do have those sorrows, but what a beautiful connection to other men that is so much a part of what is needed in the masculine at this point in time. And I'm just so grateful to see that, see this real caring for one another and caring for the rest of us and not afraid to show those emotions, both Mm -hmm. positive and negative. That's a great point about men and how they interact with one another. And one of the things I appreciate about them is how loving they are toward one another on stage, off stage. Their culture is quite different than ours. The Korean culture is different. And so sometimes I think that gets maybe misinterpreted by us here in the US, uh, quite possibly. But it is wonderful to see their bond and how they interact. And I think that that's something that 
a lot of us wish that we all had with one another. It is so beautiful to see. Did you want to say any more about men? Because that that is a huge topic. Men are so ashamed of what they perceive, what what Arian Arian talks about so beautifully is his warts and faults and men are so ashamed of that and so afraid to display it to other men. And I don't think they are, or they have shared with us the times that they are not. And it's so beautiful because what men do all too often is expect the women in their lives to carry that instead of well, it's that beautiful song, Boy With Love yeah. versus Boy In Love. Mm-hmm. Boy With Love means I can carry that love out because I can carry the emotional weight of my relationships. And it is so painful. And there's so much rage and sorrow and sadness in the midst, so many of the men I see. And part of that is because they haven't, There's something about bonding with other men that has not happened for them. And therefore, it impacts their relationship with women, too. And we have to move beyond that. That's a huge, huge topic. And thank you so much for making that point. Before we wrap up, was there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't covered? Well, we have covered it, but did we say it? The, the emotional intensity of the time of last night and still this morning and still vibrating through it, it will be, I will still be processing this experience for a long time. Yeah. And I am so grateful, so very grateful that I got to have it and so grateful for getting to share a little bit of it with you. Well, thank you. And I would like to mention the village, the army that it takes to make what they do happen. The stylists, the wardrobe people, hair and makeup, the musicians, the songwriters, the producers, the managers, the creative team, what they do is stunningly beautiful. I know I say it all the time, but I'm always blown away. And the VCRs that they showed, the videos that they make uh, during the breaks, the costume changes, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They should be given an award and a raise for the work that they do. Uh, So if any of you are listening, you have my gratitude and a huge round of applause because I am so impressed by their creative team. Just wonderful. My closing remark, Laura, would be to thank you for your contribution to the furthering of union analysis. And the reason is I'm just starting to have analysis that come to me And I say, which would be a very normal question in talking with someone who's familiar with Jung. Oh, what have you read? And they look at me a little bit sheepishly and say, I'm listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And yet they really understand the depth and complexity of union thought because of things you've given them. 
And so for that, I am really grateful about how you are moving union thinking and a union way of being into a new life, into this this new thing that we call, I guess we call it social media. I don't know. But your podcasts are so important to a whole new generation of people that are interested in Jung. And you must know that I think that Jung offers us a way to save this beautiful planet that we all live on. Yes. So thank you. Well, thank you for saying that. And thank you so much for your willingness to be a part of this podcast and for being so open and so vulnerable and sharing your experience with us here today. Thank you so much, Dr. Melissa Werner. Please visit the website, Speaking of Jung, that's J-U-N-G dot com for more information on everything that was discussed in this episode. There you will also find all of the previous episodes of this podcast, which are available to stream or to download for free. Speaking of Jung is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. And it will be available later in the week on our YouTube channel, Jungian Laura. You can also listen to this episode on your Amazon Echo device, simply by saying, Alexa, play Speaking of Jung on Apple Podcasts. Just be sure to pronounce Jung with a hard J. Links to Amazon's new Echo devices can be found in the show notes. So with special thanks to Dr. Murray Stein, Dr. Stephen Buser and Jennifer Fitzgerald at Chiron Publications, Liz Jefferson, Tiffany Helton, and Carla Postma Slabicorn. This is Laura London, and you've been listening to Speaking of Jung. <laughs>